This morning, we are continuing our sermon series through the book of Hebrews. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Author of Hebrews writes, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken somewhere of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works, and again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today, saying, through David so long afterward in the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Whoever entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. I wonder this morning, are any of you tired? Are any of you weary? Are any of you restless? I am. Whenever you find yourself in a place of complete exhaustion, physically, emotionally, spiritually, do you ever stop long enough in the busyness of life to ask the question, why? Why are we so tired? Why are we worn out? Why are we restless? Is it just because of our busy schedules? Just because we we don't know what it looks like to just stop and rest? Or is there something far deeper going on? This past summer, I went on sabbatical. I had some time to think about rest, to think about being tired. And as I was reading one morning, I stumbled upon a quote by a Dutch theologian named Abraham Kuyper. I want you to listen to what he has to say about restlessness. Just before this quote, he's talking about culture and about how our culture seems to be deteriorating right before our very eyes. And then he says this, the book of Revelation says about those who are lost in their corruption that they have no rest day or night. He's quoting Revelation 14, verse 11. In other words, what Kuiper is saying is that the reason that we have restlessness is not just because we're busy and we don't know how to stop, but the reason we are restless is because of sin. One day, we are told that all those 
who are given into their corruption, the wicked who will be cut off from God for eternity, the way that Revelation describes that kind of existence is eternity without rest. What that means for you and me this morning is that our restlessness in this life here and now is not simply because we have this insatiable appetite to achieve or because we are so busy we don't know how to fit all the things into a finite schedule. No, it's because we live in a fallen world and that sin is all around us and it's in our own hearts and it's making us restless. And we are exhausted. But the author of Hebrews this morning is reminding us of a promise that there still remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And by the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, he is inviting you this morning to enter his rest. I just want to look at this in two ways this morning. The first thing I want to look at is this. I want us to look at the restlessness of sin. We live in a sinful, fallen world, and we are tired of it. Look with me, verse 1. Hebrews 4, verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. There's just a couple things I want you to notice this morning. The first is this, that there is a promise that is still in effect. The author of Hebrews says, while the promise of entering his rest still stands. In other words, God has made a promise that we might have rest. Yes, that promise was given to the people of God long ago, but it is still in effect. It still stands it is still available for you and for me. But along with this promise, the author of Hebrews is giving us a warning. In the same way that he warned against unbelief in chapter three, now he is warning about the consequences of unbelief. That if you fail to trust in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, if you fail to believe the promises of God, then you will fail to enter the rest of God. And so he has a warning for you and me this morning, and this is his warning. He uses the word fear. Let us fear, lest any of us fail to enter God's rest. That is a strange encouragement for a pastor to give, if you think about it. You need to be afraid. If you remember, the book of Hebrews was a sermon, a sermon written to a small house church. They were struggling with their faith. Why? Because they were afraid. And out of their fear, they were beginning to give up on Christianity. And so why would a pastor write to a church that was already afraid and say, I have a solution for you. You need to be afraid. Because we need to understand something of what fear means to us as people. 
I want you to think for a second this morning at the things that you are most afraid of in life. What do you fear the most? Whatever you are afraid of, my suspicion is that thing is making you tired. You see, our fear causes us to be restless. Let me show you why. I want you to think about one of the most common fears in our city. It's the fear of failure. Are you afraid to fail? You see, when we become afraid to fail, what do we do? We work harder. We begin to work even harder. And the more afraid we get that we might fail, the harder that we work. And we begin to put all of this time and energy into trying to succeed because we are so afraid of failing. This isn't just true of us, it's true of the people around us. If you're a parent this morning, it's true of your kids. You're not just afraid that you might fail, you're afraid that they are going to fail. And so what do we do? We fill our schedules with so much activity. We work and we strive and we try to succeed so much so that it's become a virtue in our culture. And all the while, we are exhausting ourselves to death. Fear leads to restlessness because we are afraid of the fallenness of sin in our world. But we're not just restless because of sin outside of us. We're restless because of the sin that's inside of us too. I want you to look at verse 2. The preacher goes on, and this is what he says. He says, For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. As they were wandering in the wilderness, afraid of what might happen to them, they gave into unbelief and they rebelled against God, and they failed to enter the rest of the promised land. As we see the sin around us, the sin within us begins to grow, and our hearts become hardened, and we give in to the sin of unbelief. And so the author of Hebrews says, fear, let us fear lest any of us would be failed to enter God's rest. What kind of fear helps us to rest in God? There is only one kind of fear that leads to rest. It's the fear of the Lord. Proverbs tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. To fear the Lord is to be in awe of him. To fear the Lord is to have reverence for him. It's to see him as sovereign and mighty and authoritative and good. And when we fear the Lord, our other fears begin to dissipate. Our disordered fear of the world around us finds its rightful place underneath the sovereign majesty of God. 
So the author of Hebrews says, do not fear the world around you. Do not give in to unbelief, but fear the Lord and trust in his name. You see, to fear the Lord is to trust him, to trust that he is big enough, strong enough to conquer our every fear. And when we trust the Lord, we find rest, don't we? Suddenly the illusion of control begins to go away when we place our control at the foot of the cross. Suddenly we find the courage to stop our striving when we trust that God really is in control and he really does love us. The promise of rest still stands. Let us fear the Lord, lest any of us fail to enter into it. The second and last thing I want us to look at, I want us to look at this promise, the promise of God's rest. What is this rest that God has given to us? I want you to look at verse 8. Verse 8, the author of Hebrews says, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Okay, so what is God's rest? Well, throughout the book of Hebrews, every time that the author uses the word rest, he's using a particular Greek word. It's the same Greek word that's used in verse 8, for if Joshua had given them rest. And then, all of a sudden, in verse 9, the author uses a completely different word. It's a word that appears nowhere else in the New Testament. Look with me at verse 9. So then there remains a Sabbath rest. You see, the author has in mind a rest promised from God that is unlike any other rest. This is not simply a physical rest, but this is a deep and abiding spiritual rest for our restless souls, it is a Sabbath rest. The idea of Sabbath goes all the way back to the beginning. This is why the author of Hebrews in verse 10 says, whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. It's a reference to Genesis. Genesis tells us that God created everything in the span of six days. On the sixth and final day of his creative work, he created us, human beings in his image. And then on the seventh day, do you know what he did? He rested. Do you know what that means for Adam and Eve? On their first full day, as the first human beings in all of existence, what did they do? They rested. You and I were created for rest. The garden was a place of rest. And you say, well, didn't God command Adam and Eve to work, to cultivate the ground, to have dominion over all things? Didn't he call them to be stewards and to, to labor? He did. But their work before the fall entered the world never left them weary. There were no thorns, 
There were no thistles. As they worked, they worked with complete dependence upon God, and even their work was restful. And then sin entered the world. Just like the people of Israel, just like us, you go back in human history, you can all trace unbelief to this moment when Adam and Eve disbelieved the promises of God. They questioned his authority, they questioned his word, and they rebelled against him. They did not place their trust. And in their failure to trust God and his promises, sin entered the world and unrest and exhaustion entered with it. That's why the Ten Commandments, we were given this command to keep the Sabbath. Because now rest is not natural to us. We're prone to work to the point of exhaustion. And so there the fourth commandment is given, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Take one day out of the week just like God did and rest because our sinful, weary bodies just cannot handle it. And the thing is, the idea of keeping the Sabbath, resting from all of our labors one day of a week, that is so countercultural to us that when we hear that, it sounds like a burden. I mean, who has time to stop from their work one day a week? That's just going to create more work for me. There's no way I can do that, we think to ourselves. Can I ask you to just stop? Stop. As God's people, we have a habit of taking the graces of God and turning them into a burden. The invitation to Sabbath with God one day a week is not a burden. It's a grace. God is saying, it's okay. You can put your work aside. I've got it. It's okay. You can stop your striving after control. I'm in control. And take this day to come and rest with me. Because you see, the Sabbath has more to do with who we are resting in than what we are resting from. Author of Hebrews says there remains a Sabbath rest. In other words, we rest from our labors one day a week to rest in God, not just because that's what we're supposed to do, but because we're looking back on the rest that we were given in the garden before sin entered the world. And more than that, it's a foretaste of a greater rest to come. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, an everlasting, eternal Sabbath rest, where one day God will restore all things and the rest that we had in the garden will be given to us again. And we will rest with him in heaven for eternity. Until that day comes, how do we enter the rest of God? How do we hear the author of Hebrews warning so that we don't fail to enter God's rest out of disbelief? How do we do that? That's where I want to end this morning. I want you to look at verse 11. 
verse 11, the author of Hebrews gives us this encouragement. He says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. If you think about it, in the same way that fear is kind of an odd thing for a pastor to encourage a bunch of people who are afraid, striving is kind of a weird thing to command a bunch of people who are worn out. Strive to rest. Work to rest. Why would he use a word like strive? Because the truth is, resting in God takes work. Not the work of our self-righteousness. Not the work of doing it just right so that we might encounter his presence. No, it takes heart work. It takes the work of being honest with yourself and honest with others and saying, why is this so hard for me? Why is it so hard for me to rest? Why is it so hard for me to give up control? Why is it so hard for me not to be afraid? Why is this so hard for me? That takes some real heart work. But the other reason why I think the author of Hebrews calls us to strive after rest, I think it's connected to a similar passage in the Gospels. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus says this, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus says, come to me. Are you weary? Are you restless? Are you heavy laden? Are you carrying burdens that you were never meant to carry? Come to me, and I will give you rest. And then he says this, take my yoke upon you. Just like striving is a strange way to find rest, the idea of taking up the yoke of Christ seems bizarre to us. A yoke is a work instrument. It's a tool in order to help somebody pull a heavy load. Right? And in those days, if you think about a yoke, you would have an oxen or a mule being yoked in order to pull a cart that's been weighed down with a heavy burden. And so Jesus says, take my yoke upon yourself. And you, and you say, well, how is taking a yoke that's pulling a heavy load, how is that going to make me feel restful? Well, Jesus says, it's my yoke. You see, in those days, what you would often see is not just one oxen or one mule, but two. It was a double yoke. Many loads were too heavy just for one animal to carry, and so they would put two oxen with a double yoke, and together they would pull the load. Jesus has put a double yoke on his back, and he's taken up one side. And now he's calling out to you, and he's saying, come to me. Are you carrying a burden this morning? Do you feel alone in your sorrow? Do you feel alone in your striving? Do you feel alone in your restlessness? You are not alone. Come to me. 
and take the other side of this yoke upon yourself. I'll carry one side. You come put yourself under the other, but I will carry the entire load. Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, Jesus says. Take this yoke upon yourself. Hitch your life to mine and let me carry your burden. The prophet Isaiah tells us that when Jesus died on the cross, our sins were placed on him. Our sorrows were placed on him. Our burden was placed on him. Brothers and sisters, God has made a promise to never leave you or forsake you. And he has fulfilled that promise through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus, on the cross, took your burden in his body. And then just like his father, when he rested after his work, Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. His work was done and he rested. And this morning, he is calling out to you. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, but hear the invitation of Jesus Christ. Come to Jesus, all who are weary and heavy laden, and there you will find rest. Let me pray. Father in heaven, we ask that you would help us to do what we cannot do for ourselves. Help us to take the yoke of Christ. Help us to give up and lay our burdens down at the foot of the cross. And we pray today and every day to come, this side of heaven, that you, Jesus Christ, would be our Sabbath rest. Lord, help us to anticipate the day when we will rest with you forever. But until that day comes, may we enter your rest. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.